say, I say, Africa must wake up, the sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? Well done. You have managed to conquer your Monday. So, how about you reward yourself with our weekday movies? Sink into the couch with the family and catch What's Love Got to Do With It? Saturday Church, Jingle Bells and Throwback Christmas every Monday at 10pm only on SABC2. Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Let's welcome our A-team guest. Uh, the song that was played very appropriate to our discussion and uh, knowledge sharing session that we are having on our dynasty. Our guest is uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu. He's a historian, a research scientist, the director of Madisebo University Research Institute and a metaphysical scientist. He is absolutely well-versed on all things to do with our uh, our history, our rich culture, and our continent, and I'm grateful we have him this morning. Uh, Togoza Kesha, good morning, and thank you very much for joining us. Togoza, thanks for the opportunity, and we also send greetings to your audience. <laughs> Uh, I must say, so anyway, it's, it's great that uh, we are having this conversation very early in the morning. It's got some at home on this Ngembela, and uh, we are hoping that as we um, uh, learn about the rich history and uh, get knowledge of Usigiti Kasenzanga Kona, who we know as King Shagazulu, we are going to arise the spirit of uh, Ubuntu, the spirit of pride in ourselves as Africans. As Tali Lapa Makosi, who sends a gakon, uskiti, tell us about where he originates, because there's always a talk that we as uh, the Banguni people don't necessarily originate from the southern part of Africa. And where was his chiefdom um, based? Well, you know, um, that that's an interesting uh, question because, uh, you know, when, when you actually uh, basically, like, you know, trace our history, the great... Uh, you know, uh, by the way, I just want to make a point that uh, my son is actually called Dumethezi, so he's actually named after the great legend, you know. Wow. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Although, you know, uh, because he was born in Canada, where I lived, uh, most of my life there, you know. So, so basically, then, uh, so the question is, his um, uh, you know, the great king uh, Shaga, 
he was actually, uh, of course, born around um, a place. He's actually born around Impangin. You know, there is a town there called Melmoth, you know. Uh, so um, that's that's you know that's the the place of his uh, of his mother, of course. Now, in terms of the origins, uh, uh, basically, um, Uguti, where do the where do our people come from? You know, uh, is still something that we still have to do a lot of research because. Uh, that that history, uh, I mean, you know, when we talk about history, we also have to talk about what is known as historiography. And of course, historiography, we are talking about the sources. And unfortunately, the sources of our history is written by those who conquered us, you know. And, and so we are still really doing a lot of digging in terms of, you know, separating uh, fact from fiction, you know, that sort of stuff. So it's still so it's still very much really, I must say, a challenge to say exactly, you know, uh, the origin of our of our genesis. But of course, uh, we know that, uh, you know, uh, we came from we came from the north, meaning, you know, uh, from uh, the Great Lakes, uh, Congo, uh, Ethiopia, some would have come from Ethiopia. And actually, it's interesting because uh, in a place like uh, the great kingdom of Congo, the people who built that kingdom, they were called, uh, uh, they were called uh, the House of Mbata, and that's in Congo. And I think that's also related to our kingdom of, of, of Zululand, you know, uh, so, uh, so there's still a lot of things that we have to piece together that really uh, is still an ongoing research. So we cannot really say, you know, scientifically we know the exact uh, origin. You know, that, that's, that's the point because it's still something that we are investigating really. Okay. So Mbangeni, the north coast of Guazulu Natal, that is Akul. where um, uh, Usenzanga Kona originates from. Uh, let, let's uh, talk about his mother, Queen Nandi, because yeah. who is he without his mother? But let's yes. exclude Ubabake uh, in, in, in this uh, knowledge sharing, because yesterday yeah. was Father's Day. Uh, so yeah. let us also hail him. Yes, that's right. So, um, is is uh, well, well. We 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 know that, of course. Uh, you know, Osanza uh, Ngakona. He had you know many wives, and so uh, I think the mother Nandi would be like the third wife. And uh, but then uh, we now there are different accounts here. So. There is, there is a book written by somebody called Thomas Mofulo called Chaka, who left the Basutu to go and live in, uh, in KZN in order to learn more about the history of uh, King Shaga because he was very fascinated with that history. And of course, this book uh, has been translated into many languages around, around the world, this book of Chaka. And then he basically uh, traces the fact that, you know, uh, there was that, uh, 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 for example, King, uh, uh, like, like, for example, Nandi uh, is actually the one who 
you know, made, uh, how shall I say, made overtures actually to eventually, you know, uh, meet with Senator Nakona. And then, of course, you know, uh, there was a pregnancy that came out of there. And then, uh, and then she, and then he, of course, uh, did not believe that, you know, he was the father, that sort of stuff. I think he used expression like, uh, meaning that, you know, he's got these, uh, these worms in, in the stomach. There's no pregnancy there, that sort of stuff. And of course, when Shaga was born, and then that became the name, you know, uh, Shaga. And uh, of course, a lot of uh, accounts, I think uh, uh, these are now accounts written by Europeans, would say something like uh, Beatles, something like that. I think that's the term that's commonly used. Uh, but I think Amashaga basically referred to the, the worms in the stomach to say that, you know, but of course, eventually, uh, you know, Shaga came out, Shaga was born, and um, and, and so, uh, you know, the reality came that, you know, I'm pregnant and you are the father. And unfortunately, of course, uh, she was um, she was also kind of, how shall I say, rejected or scorned by her family because uh, Premarital sex was not allowed in in Zululand, especially among African uh, people, uh, meaning that uh, you know you had to marry before you could you know have sex with a woman. And in this particular case, she had a child outside wedlock, and that was quite uh, taboo. And uh, so she could also have been killed. There were a lot of you know uh, girls who died as a result of this type of event. Uh, but she survived, but she was really ill-treated a lot by her family, and of course, even by the Sanzanga uh, Kona, you know, household, uh, that sort of situation. So it was it was very hard for her, and uh, I think that's the reason why King Shaga became what he is, because he grew up wanting to, you know, to defend and to avenge uh, the dishonor that was brought about uh, on her mother. Now it explains it. Um, you know, they, they, they would say that he was a, a, a warrior of note. He, he made sure that he protects uh, territory and acquires territory in a very skillfully um, you know, crafted uh, military ways. Now, let, let's talk about his rise uh, to, to kingship. How did this come about and the integral role that his mother, Queen Nandi, played in it? Yes, oh, she really played a big role uh, because through uh, her mother, Nandi, then he gained access to the great king of the Ngunis, uh, Dingiswayo. And then, of course, when he uh, becomes part of that household of Dingiswayo, you know, he joins Amabu Toga Dingiswayo, and then he distinguishes himself as a great warrior. And that's where the talent was identified there by King Dingiswayo. And King Dingiswayo was a great king, of course, uh, of the Mutetwa uh, nation. 
and uh, uh, and even the method of uh, war or military science at that particular time uh, he looked at that and he felt uh, it needed to be improved actually not just improved but uh, revolutionized uh, because when you look at the way uh, they were conducting warfare under Dingiswayo, and those were the pe- same period as the period of uh, the great king of the Swazis, uh, Zwite Galanga. So in those particular, uh, and there was, of course, a big contestation between Dingiswayo and Zwite, because Zwite uh, was also great, uh, a great leader, and, and, and of course, Zwite was, uh, very much inspired by his mother. Actually, it's interesting. Both these people, uh, Shaga and and Zwite, were had strong mothers. So, so in a way, we could also say that there was also contestation between these two mothers uh, with respect uh, to their sons. But, anyways, uh, under them, Tetwas, uh, the military warfare at that particular time is what we would call something like a, a, a javelin javelin type of warfare where they have these long spears and they throw them and uh, this is how they used to settle disputes and uh, the war was really more of a ritualistic affair in the sense that it was determined to dem- to demonstrate courage and also to dis- to to settle disputes uh, but without really uh, killing anybody it was not really intended in that way and of can course, we hold it there for now sure. uh, uh dr zulu we will come back after the break so you can expand more on uh, the military style and how it was developed I say, I say africa must wake up the sleeping sons of jacob for what tomorrow may bring may our dynasty on the morning bliss can you tell me young On our dynasty, our guest is uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu, who is uh, taking us through the rich history of uh, King uh, Shaga Zulu. And you can also join in on uh, the conversation. Give us your questions and comments on 0614104107. Thank you very much for your patience and staying with us, uh, Dr. Zulu. Please uh, continue taking us through the, the, the... the military style uh, that was utilized in the day of King Shagazu. Makos, yes. So, so you know, when you look at the Olympics uh, games, uh, they one of one of the segments they have is something on javelin, where they throw the javelins. So, it, so during Dingiswa, it was that type of warfare where the spears were being thrown in that way. And as I say, mostly to, to, to settle disputes, to demonstrate courage, uh, that sort of stuff, but not so much in the sense of destruction. And then King Shag, of course, came in to say that, you know, this is not uh, the right way to really uh, wage warfare. So we know that later on he developed a new technology. Uh, we're talking technology in terms of the type of weapons being used. And, um, and and then, of course, uh, he was advised that uh, uh, there are people there in 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 um, in Guniland who who were uh, who were metallurgists. So metallurgists are engineers who work on iron ore from the ground, and uh, these are the people who are known as um, Bonambe. 
So, uh, and, and their king, I think, was uh, King um, Ngonyama. So he eventually uh, went there with a goat to um, King Ngonyama, where, uh, you know, he introduced himself, and then he provided a goat and said he wanted to a new a design of a new spear. And, uh, it's, uh, and then, of course, uh, as they performed rituals there, because... An iron ore is actually a very sacred thing among the African uh, people. So meaning that if you're going to work with iron ore, because they believe iron ore has got a spirit, uh, you need to be, let's say, you need to practice rituals like cleansing, uh, you know, uh, abstinence, uzila, uh, that sort of situation. And then uh, King Ngonyama told uh, King Shaga that, you know, uh, uh, this, uh, this iron ore, the spirit of Umoya Walenzimbi, we are to go You see, so can you really, uh, you're going to have to follow certain practices if you want to be a great, uh, to build a great empire. And uh, when Shaka asked Uti, what would that be? He says, well, uh, you're going to have to, your soldiers will have to refrain from sexual. You know, activity, for example, that's one of the things. And, uh, and of course, King Shaga said, how can that be? Because soldiers, you know, they are concerned with warfare. They said, well, this, the spirit of this iron ore requires certain moral code to be upheld. And which is why uh, when you look at the King Shaga's army, for example, uh, they did not marry. They were not allowed to marry. Even King Shaga himself never married because... They were following these uh, moral uh, principles there, you know, that sort of stuff. And, uh, and of course, uh, he built a new military academy. He built uh, new uh, studies of, of warfare. And, uh, and his ideas were quite revolutionary at that particular time. Uh, they, you know, they used to have, for example, mountain school, uh, which still exists today among Amakos, Abasutu, Abapidi, and so forth, which does not exist uh, anymore now in, in, in Zululand, this mountain school, because the people who were led in those schools, uh, they did not um, really, uh, you know, uh, uh, follow or accept the new, the revolutionary ideas of King Shaka, who are saying that it was important to teach military science as part of the schools in order to defend the country and, and to defend the land and so forth. So he eventually built his own military academy, of course, uh, using the cross. And, um, and and that military strategy was quite powerful because it was not uh, based on favoritism, something like that. It was based more on merit. I mean, if you look at his um, military army, he had different regiments. And um, one of the great, uh, actually his great military general was a man called Ndela, Ndela Gasobis, uh, from the Ndulis. And, uh, and it's interesting because uh, King Shaka used to be, you know, sometimes criticized that, you know, how can he have Umkuzu uh, Mabuto, who's not Zulu, for example, because, you know, they wanted people to come from Omakeba, that, that sort of stuff, you know. Uh, but, uh, but he said, no, he's just as good as, as, as the Zulus. And uh, I went on to become, of course, the great military general. And a lot of victories that King Shaga attained were the result of, of this Ndela, uh, brilliant uh, strategy. 
And maybe uh, it's also good to make a point that uh, in order for him to ascend to power, to ascend to power, uh, he was really, he got a lot of support from women because when his father, Senator Nagajama, died, uh, then uh, they appointed uh, the younger brother of King Shaga, uh, Sikujan, uh, to become the king. But uh, uh, the great Babigaz, Mgabai, uh, um, uh, you know, did not approve of this along with the military council because they felt that, you know, uh, Skujan was not the great, uh, would not make the great leader and Shaga would be the great leader. And it was through the help of Mkabai, of course, and uh, the, the council that, uh, you know, and of course also very important, the help, the logistical and military support of Dingiswayo because he had an army coming from there and of course, he took over as a king and became the king of the Zulus. And then he ruled, I think he ruled for uh, for something like 12 years. So until, of course, his death in 1828, you know, when he was uh, killed by his uh, brother, uh, you know, Tingane, that sort of uh, situation. Now, when you, you mention Mkabai, uh, she was an integral role in raising up King Shaka. Yes. Uh, in terms of uh, putting him in chiefdom. But then, on the other hand, it is uh, rumored and said that she was also a part of his downfall and death. How true is oh. this? Yeah, you know, that that's interesting. You see, this is where I was earlier talking about historiography, the sources. We still have to really uh, investigate a lot of these, um, you know, narratives, uh, because yes, that's that's the popular story that uh, you know at some point uh, King Shaga uh, actually uh, Mkabai turned against uh, King Shaga, and we see that all in a lot of even including the popular movie uh, Shaga Zulu. You know Mkabai appears there as you know as the antagonist of uh, of, of King Shaga. And of course, we hear there are a lot of stories that we hear. For example, we also hear uh, that uh, King Shaga, when his mother died, uh, when ma- his, his great mother, Ndrovugazi uh, Nandi, uh, passed away, uh, he became like, you know, very angry and uh, subject, shed a lot of blood. A lot of people died during that uh, period. Uh, we even hear that everybody, or something like, for example, the crops, uh, the crops had to be like they had to stop, uh, you know, um, uh, planting food. They had to destroy their crops, and uh, as a, as a sign of mourning, that sort of situation, you know, uh, and uh, and uh, people were not supposed to have sex because if uh, you know a woman was pregnant, uh, she had to die. Even the husband had to die. All those stories, you know, they are not verified. And actually, uh, sometimes uh, we think that, and even there are some people who think that uh, uh, King Dingan may have spread some of the stories that cast uh, Shaga in a bad light because uh, Dingan needed also to justify the assassination of, of his brother. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the area of historiography. 
Now, by the way, historiography, you know the difference between history and historiography. So history is about the events, like, you know, the timeline, the day, the events, and so forth. And then historiography is more about the authenticity of history, where basically, you know, we interrogate the sources to see what is the source of this historical account, stuff like that. And so, so really... Uh, uh, and, the, and the history that we currently have <laughs> is the one that is written by those who have conquered us. And personally, I believe that, uh, for example, when it comes to this aspect of, let's say, the role of um, Gabai in this case, you know, people that would really give us, I think, an objective account would have been people like Njela, or Njela, is the, is the general who served under King Shaga, and Lela also served under Dinga. Because, you see, when Dinga took over, uh, at some point, some of the advisors of, of, of Dinga wanted, uh, uh, you know, Lela to be, to be killed because uh, Dinga went on a campaign of purging the Zulu kingdom, getting rid of the loyalists of, of Shaga, you know, uh, because he didn't trust uh, these loyalists. So, and then the one he spared was uh, Ndlela because Ndlela was a brilliant soldier. And then, but he came at some point with his, with his men to say, you know, for something like, uh, you know, why should you, why should you live? You know, uh, and then, then he said that, you know, I am a professional soldier. My loyalty is that I'm loyal to the Zulu kingdom. And uh, it doesn't matter who is the leader. I was loyal under King Shaka. I served him well. You can testify to that. And I can also serve with loyalty under Dingan. And that's how his life was saved. And I think uh, somebody like uh, Zela could give us a very objective account of really, you know, what happened. And maybe, who knows, maybe amongst the tourists in, in, in Zululand, maybe there are historical accounts that can be collected there, uh, you know, of, of uh, of, of long ago, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, for example, uh, we know that when King Shaga was actually uh, assassinated, there were three people there. It was, of course, Dingani, and then there was um, Masangana, you know, uh, the, the, who's also the brother of Dingani, and uh, there was also Mbopa, Mbopa who was, um, you know, like a, like a, like a bodyguard, the one who used to take care of uh, King Shaka. There is actually a book written called uh, Inzila the Shaka, you know, and uh, and actually uh, a friend of mine that we live together in Canada, uh, her father has done, has translated the book. I think the book was written by um, Langalbalele Dube a long time ago uh, in Zulu, and it has been translated into English. So she was working on naturally getting the book published, and I think maybe uh, you know, more accounts can come out out of that. Now, uh, Makos, let's uh, uh, talk about this brief reign of King Shagasuru. It was 10 years. It was impactful. He made sure that those who were around him, whether male or female, uh, kept and upheld certain rules and ways of living. There was a lot of discipline. However, at his death, there are a lot of uh, people from his uh, chiefdom who were displaced 
and I don't think we talk much about their displacement when they became conquered by other um, uh, nations uh, within the southern parts of Africa, and then they became landless refugees. Okay. Yes, a lot of people indeed uh, were, were displaced. Now, I think what you are talking about uh, is something that is popularly known as Msegad. You know, those, those wars in Sudan, they call it uh, the Fakad, uh, which created a lot of migrations, a lot of, uh, a lot of people died during that period. And this is usually attributed to King Shaka. And we have actually, at Marisebo University Research Institute, we have actually embarked on a study to understand the authenticity of this account. And we have actually established that in Sekani, there was never in Sekani. So the fact that it is attributed to King Shaka, no, there is no such a thing. What happened actually is that there was, of course, there were, you know, wars that used to happen, as we say, like, for example, between Zwitje uh, uh, people and King Shaka. That's what that, yeah, those things used to, used to happen, but uh, they did not uh, create or trigger this uh, thing called Mfekwan. You know, during Mfekwan, it is estimated that uh, more than 2 million people actually died today. But as we... Uh, dug into the story to find out about this. We found that actually Msaitani is, is, a, is, a, is a concept, is a term that was uh, invented by an Englishman known as Eric Walker. And it appears in a dictionary called South African History. And here is an interesting fact. Uh, Eric Walker was, is not a South African, was not even born in South Africa. So Msaitani was used uh, in order to conceal a genocide that black people were subjected to. That, and, 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 and as I say, the numbers estimate something like 2 million. So they decided that these types of genocidal events should be blamed on, uh, on, on, on King Shaka. So, uh, and, and usually they will give you dates like something like, you know, 18, maybe 1816 to 1840, something like that. Uh, but actually, uh, our as we investigate this further, we actually found that there used to be there were slave raids that took place. But if you go back to South African history, you're going to find that uh, South Africa actually was a Portuguese colony originally when it started. Vasco da Gama landed here in 1497, on a Christmas day, actually. So meaning that <laughs> when black people celebrate Christmas, they are celebrating their own colonial, colonial conquest, you see. So now the Portuguese, uh, along with the Dutch, of course, who arrived later, uh, they, they were running this uh, lucrative, lucrative slave trade. I mean, we even have some accounts of uh, a slave ship that came from Madagascar to, that was going, uh, this was of course uh, by the Dutch. Uh, and then there was a slave rebellion there by the name of, uh, by a great African there by the name of Masabana, you see there, who overpowered, you know, the, the Dutch, uh, kept us there and so forth. 
and they commandeered the particular ship. So there was a lot of slave trade, and around that time, uh, around, let's say, 1816 to 1840, there were slave trades that took place, and then as a result, a lot of people lost their lives there. And these slave trades were carried out by the Portuguese and the Dutch, and of course the English as well are also there. Can, can you please hold it there, uh, Makosi? I need to go to a quick break. We are only scratching the surface, uh, but I do also want us to be able to read some of our ATMA's messages uh, before we wrap. I say, I say, Africa must wake up, the sleeping sons of Jacob, for what tomorrow may bring. May Our dynasty on the morning bliss. Can you tell me, young ones, who are we today? Only scratching the surface because of time um, with uh, Dr. Zulu Matabo Zulu. Uh, and uh, we need to start wrapping up our conversation. Quickly, Doc, let's uh, go through some messages and please give us quick responses. This one says, greetings, Patricia and Choloko. Wow, thanks once again for having him. I am really happy with his knowledge. My question is, what is the difference between the Nguni tribe and the Bahuruzi? tribe because now I am a Sutu, Kimusutu, um, who is learning my history and how do I get his book? I am in Lesotho. This is from Gabi Musase, Wa Mu Africa in Maseru Lesotho. Because so uh Bahurus of course they come from the Sutu people and Sutu we mean Batswana, eh, Babidi, eh, Bashweshwe and so forth. And then the Ngunis, of course, is where the Zulus come from. The Zulus come from the Ngunis, the Khosas, the Swazis, uh, the Ndebeles. Now, even though these are different nations, but they are very much linked, uh, you know, even in their language, they are very much, uh, they, they all come from the same people. And, and, and these people, of course, would come from, from the north. Of Africa, like I was talking about, you know, the Great Lakes, uh, Congo, Ethiopia, and maybe some came as far as uh, Nubia and uh, even ancient Kemet, uh, or even West Africa, for example. And we see that, especially on linguistic uh, evidence, you know, uh, the, the Basutus, uh, quite a, uh, an example, for example, they, they have a, a deity called Ra. Which is the deity of Moral, uh, meaning the deity of arrangement. So they have a very deep knowledge on on that aspect. And of course, we see Ra appearing onto an ancient comment. So these people are all really uh, connected. And um, okay. now, yes. The and then in terms of we're finding, my, get the book? yes, in terms of finding my books, so uh, people can can basically uh, go to. Um, my, the, my blog zulmatabo.com and there is a contact us there and they can reach us there they can also or can send an email to the University Institute which is mucholoko um, at university. so that is mucholoko at university. Lucky in Pretoria he says so Dr. Matabo um, is it possible that the whole story doesn't exist because we can't be selective in believing certain parts of the history and blame the colonizers when it suits us? Well, you know, um, 
the the challenge we have here is that uh, you know our ancestors never preserved records of events that that is the reality that is a challenge uh, but that does not uh, stop us from you know investigating the the records and so forth uh, all that we all that it means really is that we need a new research science that would allow us to to collect data and to verify that data at our institute okay. Manchester University Research Institute we have we have a new uh, a research science called Mutako Africography Research Framework Togo I wish we had more time. We really thoroughly enjoyed uh, uh, the conversation we had right now. Very insightful. Have a good morning further. Yeah, Togo and you too.